Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. everybody welcome to episode 80 what is it three i think uh of the daniel three podcast uh thanks for tuning in uh a little bit of a last minute i'm i feel bad because i haven't put anything out in a while and trying to get back to more regular episodes so i uh managed to nab a nast uh, a nast can't can't speak tonight i just did a podcast before this so i already used up all of my brain energy uh i got a last minute uh podcast uh guest to come on who's a good friend of mine um first of course as always i have to plug my sponsor which is rabbit eye blueberry wine if jesus was walking the earth today and turning water into wine it would be rabbit eye blueberry wine um and yeah you can check that out at rabbiteyewine.com um good friend will bell down in georgia fellow mises caucus member uh so support you know, a libertarian small business and farmer. Um, and, you know, listen, if, even if you don't like wine, because I don't like wine, but I actually really like the blueberry wine because it's just better. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, my guest for tonight um, is someone I don't even know how to introduce. Uh, he is um, 
one of my very close personal friends. And uh, at the same time, I think he's probably the person who, in if I was going to count up all of the names that I've been called in my entire life, he's probably um, competing for first place in that um, in terms of uh, you know, being being just like the absolute worst bully possible. Uh, this is my good friend, uh, Constantine, <laughs> uh, fellow Meacock here in Pennsylvania. Uh, Constantine, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. That is a, an accurate statement. Very, it's a very <laughs> accurate statement. <laughs> I can't I can't tell if like I'm just a glutton for punishment or if I just have a good sense of humor. I like to tell myself it's the second. I don't know. What does your therapist think? <laughs> I don't. I don't talk to my th- my, my my therapist about libertarian stuff because I feel like he would just uh, uh, th- think I'm crazy. <laughs> Listen, this guy is just so mean to me, and then I just like keep hanging out with him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What can I say? Um, you've you've technically been on the show before, although it's been a while. It's the first time you've showed up with your face because the last time you. Uh, uh, I don't know. I wasn't good enough back then, so uh, uh, I don't now, think I was wearing pants. That might have been the case. I don't know if that's necessary for you to show your face, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing pants right now. Fuck it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it's uh, your first time on the show by yourself. Um, I could introduce you because I know you well enough, but I will let you introduce yourself however you see fit to the audience. Well, hello. Uh, my name is Constantine. I am uh, a member, I guess, of the Libertarian Party. I am a uh, big fat nobody, uh, but I do love me some books. Uh, my my history is, uh, is kind of a, a weird one on my journey to liberty. Um, I uh, had uh, I had enough of modern music. Uh, it ha- was just getting really, really bad, and and just listening to the radio was. It was awful, and Pandora kept playing the same songs over and over. Uh, so I decided that I was just gonna was gonna pick up some books, and uh, was becoming a man. You know, I got married, and the baby on the way, and decided I wanted to be the best man I could be. So I figured I'd start learning about philosophy, and and that led me down the rabbit hole of economics. And uh, uh, well, I uh, I ended up reading some Rothbard. I ended up reading actually. Uh, Adam Kokesh's book Freedom is the one that spoke loud, loudest to me, and uh, I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, I ended up uh, my favorite book actually, and I encourage everybody to read this because it was just it is literally my favorite book of all time. It's called Defending the Undefendable by Walter Block. Uh, it is a, such a fun read, especially if you're somebody that like I've been at literally all over the political spectrum, uh, everywhere from socialist to to neocon and and Walter Block probably shook it all out of me uh, and brought me to the uh, the side of uh, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and leave it alone. And it'll be fine. So, so essentially, are you telling me that like, Katy Perry made you a libertarian? Katy Perry. Awful music. I'm just, I'm just, I was just oh, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you don't like four chords rearranged into different orders over and over <laughs> again with a little bit of uh, synth mixed in? I mean, I did for a while, um, but then, you know, I, I became an adult, so. <laughs> that is such a lie. You became an adult. Okay. I will never grow up. <laughs> um, and also, you did not encourage me to read uh, the, the, the book Freedom. You, 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 you tied me up 
and 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 forced me to essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I always tell people is, uh, so I first started becoming liberty curious, I guess, um, <laughs> when I encountered Dave Smith on a podcast. Then I, um, I, I through a very indirect route, ended up meeting Mises Caucus people and Libertarian Party people in my local area, of which Constantine was one of them, <laughs> and joined like a little like. Uh, I guess it was like a little like philosophy, liber- like libertarian philosophy club meetup thing that we used to do. The Freedom uh, Forum. Yeah, the Freedom Forum. We don't do that anymore. Um, but uh, they, they'd, have, they'd have meetups and stuff. And, you know, I was, you know, as a former lefty who was curious about more, you know, liberty leaning uh, politics and stuff, I started attending and uh, had fun talking with the people. Um, had had no idea what I was getting into because I, I still had an idea in my head that libertarian was essentially some something, you know, something resembling a Ben Shapiro or a you know constitutional conservative, and not really understanding you know the, the full extent of the rabbit hole I was about to go down. Um, like I said, I was only I, I was I, I was li- I was liberty curious. I'd started to learn about these ideas, but I, I hadn't fully embraced them. And then kept seeing all these memes, right? These memes are like taxation is theft. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, okay, I, I was like, I kind of got the concept of it. I was like, yeah, to, you know, taxes are too high and they're, they're obtrusive and income tax is unconstitutional. And, and so, you know, just one day I was like, taxation is theft. And I, I made a post in the forum. I was like, is all taxation is theft? And oh, all, all hell broke loose. Uh, <laughs> I think that's still up. I don't because I don't think the group ever got taken down. So I think that the, the, my, literally the conversation that that made me a libertarian is still enshrined on Facebook uh, for, for for posterity's sake. Um, but I don't know. Would you say? I mean, I think I went through all the motions. I mean, I went through Marauds and Warlords will take over. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm missing anything, um, but I remember the, the, the best part of that that conversation was I kept. Because you you kept on saying, well, we don't need taxes for this, right, or or this, we can just and 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 I was like, okay, but what about? I was like, okay, but there's got to be some place where there's some taxation, right, like somewhere. And I just kept pressing you and kept pressing you, and I was like, I don't know, your ideas make sense on the surface, but I don't know. It seems like you're not, you know, including any role for any government anywhere, and that would be anarchy. And you were just like, you can't say the A word. Yeah. I think your literal response was like, yes. <laughs> yes. That is what I'm advocating for. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> uh, and then six hours of autistic screeching later, because uh, I kept asking questions and asking questions. Then you gave me Adam Kokesh's ebook to, to, to listen to. And. I wouldn't even get through that. I think every five minutes I was messaging you. I was like, no, this is bullshit. No, you're like, stop it. Listen to the book. <laughs> Keep going. It's it's like, uh, it's like so I, I took uh, my daughter to a planetarium uh, for the first time. And this is actually her first time it being in like a movie theater. And every like five seconds, she's like, dad, what's going to happen next? And I'm like, they're, they're going to tell you that just just hang tight. They're going to tell you. I promise you that they're going to explain what they just said in a minute because that's what this is about. It's it's explaining a thing. <laughs> and that was Jacob listening to Freedom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No, I, 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 you know what's funny? Is that I actually never finished that. 
I, I got about a little, yeah, about two thirds of the way in. Uh, but that was mostly because like about halfway in, it was a complete mind fuck. Because I think like like the, the you know I don't know first like quarter I was like ah eh, no 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 then like from like you know quarter to about halfway in I just started to like you know like the deep pro like like I got actually like in real time felt the like the wool being removed from my eyes and like the like you know like like I, I like Neo when he starts to see the code in the Matrix and stuff and I was like no <laughs> no I don't like this. You begin no, no, it makes sense, but I don't like it. No, <laughs> but I couldn't push it away. I was like, no, like it was like it just, it was almost like an existential thing. And I don't, I don't know if all libertarians have this, but like the moment I realized the, the true depravity and the true nature of the state, right? Like it's one thing to kind of be libertarian leaning and be like, oh, I would like some more freedom and you know less taxes and and, and all that. Um, but you still kind of view the state as like a fundamental good you know what i mean and the minute that you not only get to the point where you no longer recognize the state is good it mean you recognize the state is not good but you realize the full extent to which we are essentially uh just cattle to the state is uh I mean, it, it for me it was at least it was just like a I, I you know I was like okay and the, you know and and tomorrow uh, you know Donald Trump will come out and pull his zipper down and the lizard will will come out like it was uh, <laughs> this was a precursor to my Alex Jones was right phase <laughs> turning the frogs gay <laughs> that phase hasn't ended really <laughs> no it hasn't you know I, uh, I had a. I mean, for me, the experience was really uncomfortable. Like, uh, it's it's like an existential crisis. And uh, me too, about halfway through the book, I remember I had to leave work early one day. And I remember I remember sitting at a a red light at like uh, 11 or 1030 or something like that. No cars on the road every, you know, middle of the day, no cars on the road. And I'm looking at this red light and I came to the conclusion that this red light had more control over my right foot than I did. I came to the conclusion that if I decided that I'm just going to go, because I'd been sitting at this light for a while, but if I just go, then that will prompt a police officer to come uh, have an interaction with me. And if I decided... Now, almost anywhere in life, if there is an individual that I don't want to have an interaction with, I don't have to. I just walk away from them, and usually they uh, they don't follow. Um, but uh, if this police officer decides that he wants to have an interaction with me, uh, I will be forced to stop. Because if I don't, and I keep going, they will eventually use their vehicle as a weapon against me. And if I continue to resist, eventually I will die. And that conclusion was like the biggest existential crisis that I've like probably ever faced. And that's when like literally, you know, same thing, like the matrix had just come undone. The, the, uh, the whole world glitched. And I just realized like, crap, (laughs) this isn't freedom. This isn't what I was promised. Nope. Nope. I remember going home to my wife that night and she's just like, What's wrong? You seem out of it. No, I was just like, 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 you like. I, I felt like I was literally walking around, just waiting for like the walls to like collapse in on me. <laughs> it's just like, I don't even. 
everything's fine. <laughs> the room's on fire. Everything's yeah, fine. Everything's fine. I mean, it's like literally, but like you go home and like I just realized how vulnerable. Like I, I was like, I felt so exposed. Like because that, like the state's kind of like that security blanket, right? And it, I, um, The Matrix is such a great movie for like these sort of archetypes and stuff because it's like gen z please go see that movie yeah really um (laughs) but like like you you almost like when when neo took the red pill and didn't realize what he was bargaining for and then uh cypher being the one who you know also didn't know he was bargaining for to the extent that he was like no no i i plug it back in i i felt better (laughs) then and and like it's i don't know like I mean, I wasn't able to do that. I was just like, I, mean, I think because fundamentally I've always wanted to pursue truth over everything. But when when that security blanket was taken away, it was like, wow, this is, you know, this is some real shit. I mean, I think, but it was part of what really uh, spurred me on to like kind of like finish finish growing up in a sense. Because I think before then, like I, I, I was playing at being an adult. I wasn't like really an adult. Like I didn't take I didn't take take things that seriously. I didn't take planning for my future that seriously. And then I realized like wait, this whole thing is a house of cards that like literally is just built on you know threats debt. of violence and coercion and debt. And yeah, I mean like fuck, like it just completely shattered my my paradigm and it took me a while to kind of pick up the pieces and put it back. And then I, then I think I was, you know, I I was in I was in cage stage mode for a while and just started, <laughs> started asking you know the, the the million questions and and reading all the all the all the books and watching all the podcasts and all that. Um, but yeah, then I you know became came more more mature and started to uh, I, I think once I kind of got done going through like the the classic pan, you know pantheon of of like libertarian literature, you know I was like all right I think I got this down at least down you know good enough for the most part. And I started to kind of think more about how it pertained to my religious views because I, I had some kind of like intuitions that there was something there, but I didn't really know how to express it. So I kind of went back to the, the Bible and and, and you know, I just remember like going on Google and just typing in like, you know, Christianity and anarchy or like Bible and anarchy and, you know, and, and not really expecting anything and then being surprised by how much what uh, was actually there. Um, you know, you, you and I, although we're, we're both both religious, um, you know, you, you have more of a uh, belief in, in in Judaism, or like you like to tell me the uh, uh, the how, how do you put it again uh, when you when you're in your your your, your uh, the, the original way. Can, the original canon series, right? Yeah, not the fan fiction. I think I think you call <laughs> Christianity the fan fiction. <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 for those so. Uh, I don't know. Did you have a, a similar thing though? I guess is what I wanted to get to. Like, did you, after you became a, a libertarian, you know, go back to your religious views and, and sort of have any, you know, kind of efforts to, to reconcile those? Yeah. So mine, uh, mine were a little bit different. So I didn't actually bury myself in the Bible. I, uh, I mean, for a while there, I didn't know what to think. Um, because it, it really, uh, it really, um, uh, put some weight on my relationship with God because uh, I had felt like I had I felt like I had eaten from the uh, the tree of knowledge. I felt like I, I ate that apple and you were and, naked and I was naked. Yeah, you know what? That, that's such a, that is such a good analogy. It is. Yeah, I, you know, I just I felt naked. I felt uncomfortable. I felt dumb, ashamed. You know, all those weird feelings. And then I'm like, well. 
is God real? And uh, I basically, I just, uh, I meditated on it. And I thought about it. And I thought about it some more. And I thought about it some more. And uh, I came to the conclusion that, um, A, it didn't matter. Uh, but B, you know, the the uh, the commandments are pretty clear. And there is only one being that is to rule over me. And, and that is God. And there is nothing in between. Um, so I, uh, that's kind of what just, you know, just back to basics, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. Very yeah. simple. And uh, I'm like, okay, okay, this makes yeah. sense to me. I mean, and, the, uh, and the Ten Commandments is basically, I mean, like the first four are kind of about like God and proper worship and stuff like that. But the, the last six, you know, are essentially the nap you know maybe yeah. in, in extra steps but but it's a you know don't don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and the the common libertarian trope and you know you you become an anarchist when you realize there's no exceptions to that and it was like you know and all right that, that's that's kind of what started my journey which led to this podcast i was like you know yeah i mean it seems like the ten commandments wouldn't have exceptions either you know what i mean like you know don't don't you know, don't murder, don't steal. Well, like, is there anywhere in the Bible where God says, unless you're in government, in which case, you know, <laughs> you know, have at it. I was like, no. And then I remember like, I don't know. Uh, uh, you, you've ever read like first Samuel eight is like, it was like, you know, that was like one of the first passages I stumbled upon where I was like, Oh, not, not only does God say that not, not provide an exception, but he actually says, Oh, if you get a King, he's going to do all this shit. It's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. I was like, crap. I was like, and then I, I remember just being like, you know, I kept thinking it, it couldn't be this simple. I was like, you know, well, Christians and Jews have been statist forever. Like, you know, how could they not see what's like so clearly obvious? And I was like, well, uh, well, I mean, they've been, you know, in the same way that that education's been hijacked by the state, religion's often been hijacked by the state, unfortunately. And, um, you know, and it's in in some ways, I think. I think you and I have talked about this, but like you brought up the garden story, but I think some, in some ways statism and authoritarianism more broadly speaking as sort of like a spirit of sort sorts is, is kind of like the original sin mm. in a way. And I, I it's kind of like, it, it it's like man's desire to create his own order and to, and to go to God and say, you know, I, I I can I can defy your natural order and 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 substitute my own um, imposed order of, of of right and wrong, which which doesn't work because like there's only I mean we 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 you know we have we have a free will of sorts but we can't and we we can even create in the same way I think uh, similar to how God is because we're created in his, in his his image but we we can't create different versions of right and wrong right <laughs> and and and. The, the desire to rebel against that natural order and to kind of like force our own control to me is like, that's sort of like that, that like the, the sinful root of like statism and authoritarianism is like the, is, is essentially, you know, rebellion against uh, God and his order fu fundamentally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh you know, I like to use the analogy and I think this, this has helped a lot of people. Uh, when they say, you know, what is God? Who is God? And how do you characterize God? And I always just say, it's very simple. God's your father. That's it. Yeah. God's your father. 
And if you have a good father, um, he's going to uh, let you scrape your knee every once in a while. Um, he might not necessarily let you fall off a bridge. Uh, I don't think there's a lesson to learn there. Um, but, uh, hey, don't do that thing. Hey, don't do that thing. Hey, if you do that thing, you're going to get hurt. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I warned you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, uh, it, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and, uh, I think if Pete, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know how many times we can see very, very similar things happen throughout history. How many times does Rome has have to fall, mm-hmm. you know, for people to realize that, hey, maybe instead of trying to do the same thing and expect a different result, maybe we try something different. Um, this time, democracy building will work. It's, <laughs> real communism has never been tried. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like it's a it's a failure to accept you know uh personal responsibility it's like people don't want like i think what people are fundamentally and like i remember this was what i had in like those early days of ex- my existential crisis i was realizing wow like i literally own myself like i literally am like it's it's just me like no one else is going to take care of me except me and i have to be the one who does uh what is necessary to provide for the needs and the security for myself and my family because the state's not really doing it if anything the state's the the reason why half of the dangers more than half of the dangers that i'll potentially have to face exist in the first place so but i think people don't like that like people like they 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 don't want to be responsible for themselves they want this is what um the hebrews said in uh first samuel 8 they literally told samuel we want a king who will solve our problems and fight our battles for us it's like but you you can't do that and that's what people people are still doing the same thing like no we don't want the hard work of taking care of ourselves we want something else to exist that does it all for us and it, it it denies both like morality and just like basic uh like economic literacy because it's just like you know you you know, God can make something come from nothing, but people, despite what uh, modern economists might try to tell you, the Fed cannot create wealth from nothing. That no, doesn't just, work. Just money. <laughs> they they can create more of the paper bills. I guess, I guess in a sense they're creating a product, right? So, you know, they, they are taking scarce resources from the, um, you know, from the natural world and converting them into something I, I, the the market value on that is certainly uh, plummeting, and the demand is probably soon going to plummet. And here's the problem with Keynesians. Here's what they don't get: inflation is great for everyone but you. So when they worry about the one percent, oh, you know these these super wealthy, um, you know the the uh, the wealth disparities and and what have you. All of those people are wealthy, not because they have lots of dollars. In fact, the uh, wealthiest, one of the wealthiest people in the world is also one of the most indebted people in the world. The, uh, I think it's like the CEO of Oracle. Um, he has like a bajillion dollars in, in Oracle stock and he took out a fat loan against that stock. And now he has the stock and a bajillion dollars. Um, so... 
you know, the the existence of a rich man's game uh, is literally the result of central planning, government focused economics and and, you know, the central bank and and all of these problems that we have are the direct result of massive amounts of government intervention in our daily lives and that our money is just not real. It's yeah. it's it's not a uh, it used to be a storage of of uh, labor, right? Uh, if your your labor was more valuable than somebody else's, you got more money, and that's just how it worked. You got more gold, whatever the uh, whatever the currency was, whatever people were trading in place of their labor. Um, but now they could just print more money. So. Yeah. Who gets wealthier? The rich people who have the assets can continue to sell those assets for higher amounts of money. And meanwhile, we are stuck at the same job earning the same salary. Oh, maybe we got a 2% raise last year. Sweet. I'm still upside down because the inflation was 7%. Yeah. And if the bank... Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Get a bunch of cheap money from the 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 fed and and lend too much of it out and the economy crashes does it matter because they just get bailed out and you know it, you know what the problem is they just need more money <laughs> oh yeah they failed because they just didn't have enough right yeah they were they... too successful <laughs> they're too big to fail and it's just like we have such a creditor economy and it's like i mean i'm not saying that there's no role for credit at all but it's like you don't credit isn't wealth you know what i mean like it's our money isn't represented by anything of value other than well really and i I actually got this from sam cedar during his debate with dave smith i remember from all the way back then it was very telling because he kind of said the quiet part out loud he (laughs) said because 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 uh dave dave said you know in the dollar which doesn't have any real value or utility and and sam was like that's not true the dollar has value because it's what you use to pay your taxes. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't like that, that. That didn't strike me at the time, but then like I went back and re-listened to it like a, like a year or two ago, and I was just like, oh wow, like that's that, that 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 literally is the quiet part out loud about Keynesian economics. It's just like taxes, like 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 the dollar literally has no value except that you need it to pay your taxes. Oh, and if you don't pay your taxes and use this currency, the government will come after you. And lock you in a cage. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is what happened. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's what until they're Bitcoin, already doing. Yeah. Like until, yeah, until Bitcoin came around, that was basically it. Bitcoin's given people a little bit of, of of freedom from that, although they're doing everything they can to to to, to make that difficult, even even with the the freedom Bitcoin offers. Yeah, it, and it's really weird because now they're claiming that. So it used to be um, that you didn't have to pay taxes on things that never touch the dollar because the IRS only has authority to tax uh, dollar bills, you know, uh, Federal Reserve notes. Um, So as long as your Bitcoin stays as Bitcoin and you never put it in U.S. dollars, you don't have to pay taxes on it. Okay, cool. 
So now if I decide I want to buy a thing with those taxes, let's say an automobile or those taxes, sorry, the, that uh, Bitcoin. And let's say I want to buy an automobile with that Bitcoin and the seller and I both agree on cryptocurrency for the transaction. I still have to pay taxes on it because when I register the car, apparently uh, there's a there's a value derived and I have to pay taxes on it. And I'll have to pay he'll have to pay taxes on the income and I'll have to pay taxes on the, the sales tax. When did they just made that up? And you know, we all went, Oh, okay, it makes sense, you know, it's that's the world that we live in. Oh sure. Do you hate road, Constantine? Like I hate, I how hate could roads. you be so selfish as to buy cars and not, you know, pay your fair share to make sure there's roads to drive your cars on? I mean God. I live in Pennsylvania. I hate roads. <laughs> I had to replace the suspension on both of my cars. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't have roads. We have we have these weird lumpy uh stretches of asphalt that 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 aren't maintained. <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, I stopped uh I stopped debating roads with people uh because then uh, all, all I just have been doing is just I said you you, you want roads? Cool. Let's take a look outside. Is, yeah. Is that is that is that good? Are they are they doing is, is that is that what you had in mind? Like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. L- look at any like privately owned thing like the, um, oh my gosh, there's a town called Lake Mead, uh, here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I, man, I love that place. Um, uh, it's a private, like it's a private town essentially. It's just, a, it's a neighborhood's an HOA, but like step up. Um, and it is gorgeous. The roads are wonderful. They have their own security. They have, you know, as far as I'm aware, no crime. Uh, everybody pretty much gets along, except for I'm sure there's some, you know, politics that they deal with. Um, but it's an awesome town. They have their own fire department. They have their own resources that they pay into, and and they uh, they they share that among each other. And, and what they have works. to pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> well, they agree to it. They uh, they they sign that contract. Um, they weren't born into it, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it works and it works well. Now, what, what really stinks is that they, uh, they pay f- to live in that town and then they also pay, pay taxes on top of it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's almost as bad as when like you realize there are certain, not certain, a lot of instances where dollars are taxed multiple times versus like, I mean, I remember people complaining about this when so many people want unemployment and then they, it's like, this is your money that you stored away. And then the government gives it back to you and they're like, we're going to tax it. It's like, wait, this, this was something you made me do involuntarily in the first place. You took my money to go into this insurance fund in case I ever became unemployed. Then you give it back and you're like, yeah, we got to tax it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That'd be like going to my bank and being like, you know, I'm going to you know have a savings fund. And every time I withdrew money from the savings fund, charge me a fee i mean like i guess if you voluntarily agree to that because you're an idiot i mean i guess whatever but like most people would not probably agree to those sort of terms just just to use their their own money i mean even like regular private insurance payouts other than the government imposed taxes like the like you have car insurance and you uh you know need to use your car insurance they go like okay well we'll pay the you can have a deductible but there's no like tax on that, that that you have to pay um you know, but and and I guess in the deductible is even something you have control over because you can pick a you know, hundred dollar deductible, five hundred dollar deductible. Like you have you have options, you have choices. It's something you can, 
and and there's competition driving prices down and you know like car insurance is one of those few frontiers that still hasn't been so destroyed by government overregulation like people don't i think young people today don't realize how health insurance used to be just as easy to get and cheap to get as car insurance like i yeah. i can i can i can i mean i was i was you know like 20 like 1920 when when things started to change but i still remember when like health insurance was like 30 dollars a month yeah health insurance <laughs> you you can actually look it up the um there's a there's a chart that compares the healthcare providers against administrative workers and the quantities of you know who works where and the amount of administrative uh employees in the healthcare industry has just skyrocketed after the 1970s what happened in 1971 but but you know healthcare used to be really cheap in this country and now it's it's not not at all to the point where i think uh off the coast of los angeles there was a project to uh put a hospital on like to make an island and put a hospital on that island and then fly patients from la to that hospital because it would have been cheaper to build that than it would have been to just make a hospital in LA, you know, it's, it's ridiculous how it's gotten. And there, you know, what's, what's their, what's their solution? Oh, well, we've identified a problem. The government has ruined the healthcare industry. So that's why we need single payer healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like people just like, if you described these things in the honest terms, be like, Hey, what if this thing you really want, there was only one provider for, they had a complete monopoly on it, they could charge whatever they want, they had no oversight or accountability except like people that they appointed to oversee and, and, and hold them accountable. And if you don't use this service, you're shit out of luck. People well, be like, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You get charged even if you don't use it. That's the other problem. I mean, like, like the opposite of the tragedy of the commons is the tragedy of like, you know, I, I don't want this and too bad. You, we've decided you need it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and, and it's people wouldn't. And, and yeah, it's so important to always, like, I know some people kind of go, Oh, stop going around saying taxation is theft. It's like, well, uh, you know, we should say more than that. Like we should be saying, you know, not just saying taxation is theft. We should be really just going to people and being like, listen, um, you know, I am morally opposed to abortion. Imagine something you're morally opposed to. Now imagine I went into your house and at gunpoint said, you have to pay for the thing that you're morally opposed to. Would you be okay with that? If you wouldn't, okay, well, that's what you're making millions of Americans do. And, you know, or, you know, or if there's something you don't want, like, let's say I don't, um, or I'm trying to think of an example. Like, let's say I don't, uh, want to use uh medicaid or medicare and social security why can't i opt out of those why can't you save money for yourself why can't i collect my own rainwater constantine (laughs) (laughs) that 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 pisses me off so much um yeah no it's 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 not your water it's our water right no and that's why i mean like i remember when i first got into this i was just like you know i still had a very I thought I, I was like, you know, I, I looked at the political sphere as a very nuanced thing. And now it's just like, no, it's 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 ANCAP and Liberty 
and then just varying flavors of communism. That's all it is. Like, and I know that's a meme. People make fun of us, but like, but it's literally true. Like, tell me what the difference is between communism and thinking that, you know, like you all have to pay your fair share to live in the society. Like, like you hear, I remember watching, um, uh, an interview Ayn Rand did back when she was still alive. And it was so funny hearing the interviewer. It was like an, like an interview, like, I mean, it's like black and white. Like it's back from a time before you would think that like there were, you know, you would think of the typical American as like, even if they were more, you know, liberal leaning, they would be conservative in today's standard. Do you know what I mean? But sure. even then, like the language she w- that he was using against Rand, he was like, but, but don't you think that we should all contribute to the fall, the, the, the common good and, and we should seek to make things more. I was just like, holy shit. Like, like, like nationalism and statism has always just been watered down communism. And communism was really just statism, but saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. I mean, I use that argument on you. How many times did I call you racist? <laughs> Why do you hate black people? Why don't you think that they can uh, make it to the DMV? Why don't you think that they can, you know, take care of themselves? Is it the color of their skin? <laughs> yeah, you, you called me racist and communist a lot on that, on that particular exchange. <laughs> and, and it's funny. It's funny to go back and look at my answers now. I'm just like, oh, God. And I, I, I remember, like, literally my first thing. Like, it's, like, it's so painful to go back. And, like, my first thing was, well, what about roads? And even you were like, oh, my really? roads. Because really? <laughs> like, you yeah. I mean, we we've all been there, right? That was that was my first thing. I have a I have a friend who actually introduced me to the idea of libertarianism because I was a gung ho neocon for a while. Because I I was excited I was excited to be a neocon because I felt like I felt like I'd uncovered the real truth. Because like yeah, I live in a rural area and and yeah yeah I used to America. be a neocon too. I, I I voted for Hillary Clinton. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> She, well, it's never that bad. She's the real neocon. <laughs> Luckily, when I was in my neocon phase, I didn't really have a chance. Because, like, it was like, it was like Romney, I think, would have been the choice. I'm like, no, no, he's not. He's not conservative enough. I, right. you know, if I wasn't a libertarian, I probably would have been really revved up to vote about Trump, to vote for Trump. Yeah, I was such, I was so caught up in leftist propaganda that I literally thought we were going to be in nuclear war by like June of, of, of 2016 <laughs> or 27. Well, yeah. You get to, I, I always get confused. So it's like the first year they're serving is an odd year. So yeah, like 2017, I guess is what I thought that uh, the world was going to end. And I was just like six months in, I was like, okay, no, nothing's, nothing's happened. Also now everyone's racist. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of don't like him anymore, but I kind of fell into like watching like Dave Rubin and stuff because I kind of had a similar feeling. I was just like, no, no, I was like, the left doesn't make sense anymore, which which seems like a very paradoxical thing to say right now because it's like, when did the left make sense? But <laughs> at the time, yeah. I thought they used to make sense. They when they, I, mean, I was kind of like, I was like a, a Bill, I was like, I was something between like a Bill Maher and Democrat, and but kind of leaning towards Bernie Sanders, even though I didn't quite go. I didn't quite agree with all of his policies, but um, I liked his. See, I always had that libertarian streak, and I liked how Bernie. He was pointing to like, I need to take money out of politics, and like I cared about that. I was like, I don't like corruption in politics. We need to take money out of politics. 
What I didn't realize is that the only way to do that is the end, is to end politics. <laughs> There's no other way to do it. And it, it's funny because like what, what made me realize that was a, a debate Ben Shapiro did. And to this day, I don't understand how Ben Shapiro can't like, I don't know how he could ever argue against anarcho-capitalism because he's essentially made the art. Cause like he did a debate uh, with Cenk Uger and Cenk was like, <laughs> we need to take awesome. money out of, yeah. Like, we need to take money out of politics. And he's like, well, you could, like how? Like we'll pass a law. He's like they'll they'll just do it anyway. And you won't know about it. <laughs> they got all these backhand you know d- deals and stuff. And I was like, all right, you know. And now I'm just like, well, yeah, that's true. Which is why, like, so so what do you do about it then? Like the only logical conclusion is that like you have to just throw the ring into the 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 volcano. Like I don't know what else you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's and it's a shame that you know. I I actually I and I get a lot of hate for this in in libertarian circles. I actually really like Ben Shapiro the vast majority of the time. He's not perfect. Uh, only I am, but <laughs> but the reality is, you know, he's he's a really really bright guy. But then like, and he'll say like all the right things. And then like, but but he's not a fan of legalizing machine guns. And like, I'll make the argument all the way that the Second Amendment extends to to nuclear arms. Um, but, but, you know, so Ben Shapiro's not great on everything and I don't know why he doesn't. Including making his wife wet. No. <laughs> I mean, they've got, I don't know how many kids are they up to three? I know. It's such a funny joke though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like of, of all the criticisms you can have, like, you know, when you, when you make that criticism that's like, okay, cool. So you don't have an intellectual argument. So you're going to go like, at least my ad hominem. Is is on the point. I'm a, I remain on the topic uh, at hand. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, well, what about the bedroom? That's anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I, but... I agree with you. I, I tend to like listening to really. I like listening to most of the Daily Wire people. I'm not a big fan of uh, with a Clavin. Uh, he kind of bores me. Although he had an episode with Tom Woods years ago, which I went, I went back and listened to, and was pretty pretty decent, I guess. Um, I, don't, I feel like conservatives are getting more based today, partly because of Trump, um, although they're still way too, like, you know, licking the, you know, doing all the fellatio to the to the boot of Trump. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but but but, they, you know, I mean, it, it's weird to think that conservatives now are based on the FBI and all the intelligence agencies. And they're and finally like realizing that. that, you know, I, I, I like to use this analogy. Government is a hammer. It's not a screwdriver. It's not a drill. It's not a spoon. It's not a fork. It's not even a knife. It's a hammer. And it only does one thing. So if if you are not the person wielding the hammer, you have to trust the person wielding the hammer. And the reality is there is so much evil that can come from this hammer that... You know, I'm not super big fan of this hammer even being around in the first place. At the very least, it should be a very small hammer. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the things um, that I thought would be interesting to talk about, what is your approach? Because obviously it worked on me, and I think <laughs> for the most part that's an anomaly. People don't usually win arguments on, on, on social media, let alone actually convince someone to change their mind. What what is your What is your strategy when you enter into any kind of debate, whether it's, you know, spoken or, or online, like how do you, 
um i mean i i know i know part of it is is sort of like making fun of people to get them to think um but i mean what, what what's your thought process and how do you you know how how do you engage with people and and what kind of I mean, I, I know, I know I'm your, 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 your biggest success story, but uh, you are. Have, you, have you had any others? Uh, so I'm not sure how many I've had in the sense of how many people I've actually really, uh, lassoed into the libertarian party at least. Um, but I, the people that are actually serious about talking to you, uh, those are the good ones that you can actually have real conversations with. Usually, you know, people just like taking shots at each other and, I, what I actually initially is I actually avoid that unless I know the person personally. Like if I, like knowing you, I've interacted with you, I know who you are and I know that you take, uh, doing the right thing very seriously. So if I actually call you racist, you're going to think, oh man, am I? Because you're a good person. And you know, so Somebody who doesn't necessarily care about being a good person, that's not going to be persuasive. But to those people, maybe they think they're really, really smart. So then what I'll do is I'll make them feel stupid. Because then I'll ask them, like, what, you can't figure out how to save for retirement? What, you can't figure out how to teach your kids? What, oh, oh, so you don't care about your kids, you just want to send them away to a government liberal brain rotting factory for eight hours a day and then they come home and then they don't know what gender they are is that so like you don't care about your kids so you know is that you know and and those are if if you're going to take if you're going to use ad hominem you're going to take shots and you're going to be um abrasive you know you have to be abrasive towards the things that matter to people uh Mm. so if they really really care about their kids Okay, well, tell them that they're putting their sending their kids to an indoctrination camp, and then they start thinking about it and go, "Oh man, I think I am." Uh, my my favorite one is is you know when I when I talk about baby boomers and you know they they tell you how uh, self sufficient they are and how hard everything was for them and like you know and now we're all a bunch of sissies. They took the guns out of schools and they did all this and they did all that and I'm like, so you're telling me. That when I was in fifth grade, I was responsible for these decisions. You think as a fifth grader, I had leverage to decide whether or not we're going to have a rifle team at my school? Like, no, that was you guys. Oh, you know, and, and then they think about it and then they realize like, oh, hey, we're hating on our own kids. Not to mention... It's still them because they're still the ones who are in charge of the government because they won't let like other than like your rare exception, like you have like some people like AOC and stuff. But for the most part, like it's all boomers and the really old Gen Xers who are still running the government. Like, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> they're still, and like you guys like we're not like millennials didn't screw up the government. The boomers did. Yeah. And, and they still doing are. It, and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. Ah, oh, makes me so angry. There's a, there's actually a, there's a, there's a book. Yeah, I, I, I love my audio books. There's a book called A Generation of Psychopaths or Sociopaths, and, uh, and it's written by this guy who's basically a, um, he's like a hedge fund manager, and he is not a right wing dude. Um, he is very much so a K- K- Keynesian guy, uh, 
because it it provides him an advantage because when the market is manipulated, you can kind of predict those manipulations and you can make money off of it. Um, so, so this guy, like, again, not a right wing guy, but he goes through, um, the baby boomers as a whole and looks at their voting patterns and looks at their, um, you know, how, how they did things and, you know, takes that and puts it up against a, uh, a symptom of a psychopath and you know do these behaviors match this and the conclusion is yes um the baby boomers were uh, always you know super really gung-ho to go to war but they had really low enlistment numbers like you know um they're you know the baby boomers are will be the first people to tell you that Oh, you need to save your money, and you need to plan a budget, and this, that, and the other thing. I'm gonna spend it all. Right. Well, but they, uh, they had more, be- like you know, they had massive like, bankruptcies and credit scores. Credit scores had to be invented because baby boomers kept screwing things up so bad. Um, credit scores didn't exist before the '90s. Um, you know, they used to just look at things and they'd be like, "Oh, okay. Well, here's your income. Here's your whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, here, here's your car." And then. You know, they'll file for bankruptcy. And then the best part was, I, I remember hearing this story from, um, you know, an older person that I was, I was just talking to about it. He said bankruptcy was the best thing in the world because you file for bankruptcy. And then they know that you can't file for bankruptcy for another seven years. So your credit was perfect. You could borrow whatever you want. And I'm hearing this. I'm like, I can't do that. I absolutely can't do that because they had, they had trashed the market so many times. Those tricks don't work anymore. Houses are so much more expensive than yeah. they've ever been because boomers it wasn't me when that housing market collapsed. I was 18. Like I wasn't buying. I didn't, I didn't buy a $400,000 house. I was still living with my parents and you know, but who collapsed the market, the Gen Xers and, but there's only like four or five Gen Xers in all of like the country. So I, I'll blame, I'll blame the baby boomers cause there aren't enough Gen Xers to really, cause much problems <laughs> i i truthfully think that gen x isn't even a real generation it's just like gen xers either fall into the camp of just being the younger boomers or uh the really young gen xers are really just like old millennials yeah right <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right well it we're running a little bit late here just because of how late we started and uh uh uh, usually I'd go a little bit longer, but uh, I have things to attend to, including getting up for work tomorrow. But uh, but yeah, man, this is fun. We will have to do this again sometime because we still have like, you know, a million things we could still talk about. But uh, I don't know. I usually ask people to give their plugs at this point, but you, uh, you're, 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 you're a mystery man. <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, as far as plugs, you know, if you want to know uh, what I think you should support, I think you should support the uh, the Libertarian Party. I think you should support the Mises Caucus. And uh, if you want to give your money to a gun rights organization, I highly recommend the Firearms Policy Coalition, the FPC. Uh, these are amazing people. These are people that are uh, actually trying to preserve and uh, restore our gun rights. Um, Joshua Prince is a, a one of the you know bigger guys there, and he... Uh, he sued uh, the state uh, Pennsylvania quite a few times, and he is probably the reason why we don't have to register uh, paperweights in Pennsylvania as firearms. So, 
Thanks, Joshua Prince. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, no, you know, next time you're on, we should definitely get into the guns more because that's definitely one of your areas of uh, expertise. So uh, not that I own any guns. They, they all got lost in some weird <laughs> boating accident. Very tragic. Um, <laughs> My boats! <laughs> yeah, right. We need to, we need to ban boats. <laughs> Causing all these tragic, tragic gun losses. Yeah, go go, go uh, uh, fishing for guns, my nearest lake. <laughs> we need to ban water. Water is the true problem. That, you know, I just don't understand why they just ban global warming and ban COVID. Like, Jesus, guys, like, just get on it. <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, last uh, last minute. The next time we will definitely uh, try to do a bit longer and have a bit more of a plan going in. But uh, but now you've been introduced to my audience and people know that you're uh, responsible for. Uh, and again, I, I, I should Maybe next time we should almost go. It'd be fun to go back to that and like screen share it and go go look through it. Actually, the whole conversation. Because I kid you not, this man literally bullied me into being a libertarian. I'm probably Hashtag... gonna feel bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, man, and thanks everybody for watching. And uh, yeah, uh, catch you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.